Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, the only podcast designed to fuse your left and right brain hemispheres and feed it the most entertaining and mentally engaging topics on the planet. As we approach our ascent, please make sure your frontal, temporal and occipital lobes are in their full upright position. As you take your seat of consciousness, relax your senses and allow us to take you on a journey. We are the Intimate Strangers. Thank you for listening. The Human Experience is in session. My guest for today is Mr. Brad Burge from MAPS. Brad, it is your second time on HXP. Welcome back, sir. I'm so excited to be back. I had a great chat last time. Okay, Brad. So let's let's dig right into what MAPS is doing. I, I mean, the year is only in its first few months, but already some, some great things seem to be happening for MAPS. Your medical marijuana research received a boost in January when the DEA completed their inspection of the John Hopkins University trial site. Mm-hmm. What, what does this mean for the study's progress? Oh yeah. Well, you know, just to say I was last back on, I was last on in 2014 and uh, it's 2016 now and we were just in the middle of our phase two MDMA trials and now we're um, just 2016 is just a big year, a big shift for us and just like really moving to the next phase of the research and that's including the marijuana research. Mm -hmm. So we've been working on getting this study started uh, for about 14 years now, um, going through various levels of uh, government obstacles. various review processes, including one review process that was removed last year um, that was extra for marijuana research, and now researchers don't have to go through that with the public health service. Uh, And then there was the firing of Dr. Sue Sisley, who was uh, the original principal investigator on the study. Hmm. Um, Just for your listeners who may not remember, this is a study in uh, uh, 76 United States military veterans where we're exploring different strains of uh, medical marijuana with different ratios of THC and CBD to treat symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. Hmm. Now, a lot of veterans are using marijuana uh, for treatment of their post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people uh, for whom VA treatments, including medications, just aren't working. Right. Uh, so uh, we want to actually do the clinical trials, so the research necessary to actually find out how it works, whether it works, who it works for, and ultimately, hopefully, to make whole plant medical marijuana an FDA-approved prescription drug. So this um, study, uh, we were thrilled last year. MAPS got our very first government grant. Uh, it was a $2.1 million grant from the state of Colorado. Wow. Now, the state of Colorado uh, has, as you know, has legalized marijuana for recreational use. And um, uh, the taxes, the income to the state uh, from all the sales of that marijuana had to go somewhere. And so they created a grant program for medical marijuana research. So taking the taxes from legal recreational marijuana and putting it towards medical marijuana research. MAPS was the largest recipient um, of a $9 million uh, pool of funding that the state of Colorado was giving out to different applicants to do the research. Um, $2.1 million now funding this marijuana for PTSD study, the very first government uh, grant, first government funding that MAPS has ever received. So already that's a, that's just a huge advance. Yeah. yeah, That's, that's actual government funds being used to support uh, nonprofit medical marijuana research. So very exciting. Um, 
the trial is now actually in two sites. We've expanded it, uh, same number of subjects, 76 subjects, but it's now in two sites, one at Johns Hopkins and one in Phoenix, Arizona. And the DEA, as you mentioned, um, just recently approved the study site in, uh, at the university uh, in Baltimore, Johns mm -hmm. Hopkins. Uh, and now we're just waiting to finish the construction on the study site that is in Phoenix, Arizona, where Dr. Sisley uh, is going to be treating subjects there. So we expect this will get started this year. Uh, we are just about to um, finalize that construction, and then we'll be able to get that final DEA approval, get federal DEA approval, and then order the marijuana from the National Institute on Drug Abuse, which will be supplying the marijuana. This is amazing, man. I mean, you guys are changing the world. I mean, that's what you're doing on a daily basis. I mean, it, may, it might not feel that way right now. I mean, we've we the last time we talked, as you said, it was 2014. Mm -hmm. Did you expect so much of a transition? I mean, it seems like you guys have made a lot of progress. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, 2016 happens to be our 30th anniversary, uh, actually. Um, 30 years of working to remove government obstacles and uh, remove um, the irrational stigma that's been around for so long surrounding psychedelics and medical marijuana. Um, so it's been planned for a long time. My boss, Rick Doblin, has been at it since 1986. Uh, and um, we're, as I said, we're just moving into this whole new phase where we're, um, at least in the case of the MDMA research we're doing for PTSD, we're not, um, uh, we're, we're almost done with the original set of trials, the small set of trials. Um, that'll be uh, ultimately six phase two trials that we will have completed. And then um, just getting ready this year to move on to the much larger phase three trials that will uh, hopefully ultimately, uh, within the next six years or so, make MDMA a legal prescription treatment for PTSD. Let's, yeah, let's touch on that. So your, your, <laughs> your studies into treating PTSD with MDMA-assisted therapy, uh, your Israel trial saw the last subject receiving their first treatment in the phase two study and your Boulder, Colorado subjects leaving phase two and entering the 12 month long term follow-up phase. What comes next for the two studies? Have any interesting insights been kind of gleaned from the data so far? Oh yeah. You know, the, uh, the Boulder trial, that's our second largest trial. Um, our largest one is, um, the, the participants are still in their long-term follow-up, the largest one being in South Carolina, primarily in veterans and 24 subjects. So not that much bigger, 24 and 23 subjects, but still generally small studies. Um, the results from the Boulder study uh, are still preliminary, still being analyzed, but they look extremely promising. Um, spoken with the investigators um, who've um, presented it to our research team, and they are very, uh, very comparable with the uh, really amazing, re uh, the amazing results we got in our first couple of phase two studies, which showed, showed that 83%, um, so over three quarters of the people uh, who received MDMA-assisted psychotherapy no longer qualified for PTSD anymore after treatment. Mm. Um, so that's our published results. Um, I can't talk specifically about the published results because there's the um, upcoming results for the Boulder study because the data is still being analyzed and we want to say exactly what the results were um, when they came out. But we are seeing extremely positive results. Um, we've had quite a few study participants um, being open to speaking about their experience lately. Um, we will, um, or uh, we just had a really great fundraising appeal uh, in the last part of last year, so just in, in December, a few months ago, um, and uh, were able to raise all of the funding that we needed left uh, for that Boulder study. And in that process, several subjects came out and spoke on video about their experience, and we think that was really motivating 
for uh, bringing a lot of new supporters on board to help get that study completely funded and, and, and completed. Um, we'll also have one of the study participants um, who found herself um, deeply uh, recovered from PTSD after the MDMA sessions that she uh, received in the study. She'll be speaking at our upcoming 30th anniversary uh, celebration, uh, which is going to be in Oakland, California on April 17th. Um, so just the, the sheer number of people who are willing to come out and, 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 and share their stories. Um, I think I spoke with uh, uh, five different participants just in the last few months from that study um, who are not only feeling recovered from their PTSD, uh, but are also feeling comfortable enough to speak publicly wow, about their that's experience. Such a big, big, huge step. I mean, I, I yeah. was—I don't think I got a chance to email you or mention this to you, but after our the first episode we did, I got an email from someone who had been deployed in Iraq, and he he emailed me and he said he said thank you for doing that episode because he he was re receiving a lot of kind of social stigma from the idea of using MDMA to treat, uh, his PTSD. And he was suffering from some really heavy PTSD. And he just said, he just said that he heard the episode and through hearing it, it helped him decide that, you know, he should give this a chance. So, so moving, moving on, uh, here, um, that's just great. Yeah. Truly, truly changing people's lives. Um, so, okay, so there's an aspect of the MDMA-assisted therapy that MAPS is doing in regards to couples, and I find this pretty interesting. <laughs> there's a, It's a conjoined kind of thing where one person has the the trauma and the other person doesn't do it. Can you explain it to us, please? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so just the, the, the background is that <clears throat> before MDMA was criminalized in 1985, the year before MAPS was founded. Um, it was fairly widely used in the therapeutic community. Uh, it still wasn't super well known. It wasn't taught in medical schools, um, but there was a fairly large community, um, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of therapists who were using MDMA to treat people uh, in their practices. Um, there hadn't been any clinical trials, so it was all anecdotal and experimental at the time. But one of the main reasons um, or the main ways that MDMA was used was in couples counseling. So helping uh, couples uh, talk about their um, the, you know, the, the more difficult aspects of their experience. And sometimes the MDMA helped people um, in these case reports, uh, come closer together to open up communication. In some cases, it uh, helped people realize that they weren't meant to be together and they separated. Either way, it helped solve the problem. Um, but in, in, in either case, the, the effects of MDMA seem to help people uh, process openly, especially with others. Um, so MAPS is focused primarily on post-traumatic stress disorder right now and treatments for PTSD, um, partly because MDMA just seems to have such amazing effectiveness when combined with psychotherapy for PTSD. Um, this new study that we're starting, which is going to be uh, uh, with uh, lead investigator Michael Mithoffer, he's a psychiatrist who's been leading uh, many of our other phase two studies, and then an additional sub-investigator named Candace Monson, uh, who comes from Ryerson University mm -hmm. uh, in, um, in Canada. Um, she's one of the original developers of uh, cognitive behavioral conjoint therapy, uh, which is a uh, form of psychotherapy that's used for couples, um, and not just romantic couples either. And um, that's important to highlight that with the study, we're not just focused on romantic couples, but mm -hmm. on uh, one person with PTSD and another uh, 
what we call a concerned significant other. So this could be a brother or a sister or a friend or a family member, um, just somebody who's very close to this person and whose um, relationship with this person is impacted by the person with PTSD. Um, PTSD does tend to affect more than just the individual. It also tends to affect the families and the people around them just by its very nature. Right. Yeah. So we're exploring PTSD. Um, this new study, uh, which is MDMA-assisted psychotherapy for um, one person with PTSD and one person who does not have PTSD, um, is not on our main drug development track, which is to say uh, the data is not going to be submitted to the FDA for the purpose of making MDMA-assisted psychotherapy a legal treatment for PTSD. It's a, it's a, it's a new exploration of a possible use of MDMA um, in a way that it could be used once MDMA is approved. So it's gathering more data about the safety and um, also this, this new approach to using MDMA. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's so important to kind of realize that you guys are studying all of the kind of the aspects of this. I mean, especially in regards to, I mean, not just couples, but also family members. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, your, your mom and your dad and your brother or your sister are also experiencing I mean, PTSD effects everyone that's involved. So sure. that's such a huge thing. I know that time is kind of short here. I mean, there's, there's a, uh, there's a global psychedelic dinner initiative that's coming yeah. up. How does, how, <laughs> what's going on there? Uh, thanks. You know, we're really excited, um, about these. It's, uh, um, maps has done a number of crowdfunding, um, initiatives. I think we spoke about it last time, in fact, um, where we asked the public uh, through social media, through email, to make small or large donations, whatever they can afford, to contribute in a community way to the development of MDMA and other psychedelics. Um, we've also done crowdfunding campaigns for our psychedelic harm reduction initiative um, that we take to festivals and other events around the world. Um, so the crowdfunding has been very successful. We found a great deal of success from crowdfunding, and we wanted to find a new way for people to uh, both support the research financially, since we're a nonprofit, that's where it all comes from, uh, except for that one <laughs> grant for the marijuana research. But for the MDMA research, we still need this this private funding. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, MAPS's mission is kind of twofold. One is to complete this research and to make these substances legally and safely available. The other one is to reduce the stigma and to help people, in a sense, um, feel more comfortable talking about psychedelics and psychedelic experiences and psychedelic therapy. Just like you said, just having these open conversations can draw people out of the woodwork and help people feel more comfortable talking about um, their issues and maybe seeking help in a different way. Um, so that's part of what we want to do with these global psychedelic dinners. The idea is for people to uh, host a dinner either in their home or at a restaurant, uh, have people over. It can be a potluck or a picnic or um, at the beach or anything like that. Uh, and uh, just talk openly about psychedelics. We're not encouraging people to uh, use psychedelics at these <laughs> events, um, but certainly to eat delicious food and to um, talk very specifically and openly um, about psychedelics. And we think that's going to um, you know, help people feel more comfortable um, and um, not just feel more comfortable donating, but also feel more comfortable just talking about their experiences and um, finding new ways to heal that aren't reliant on the traditional uh, psychiatric approaches. You know, We're encouraging people to do it um, anytime this April. Um, our 30th anniversary, again, is this year, and we have a major event, um, a, a banquet and celebration happening in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, as I mentioned, on April 17th, um, as kind of the, the, the centerpiece of the Global Psychedelic Dinners. But these are happening all over the world. We have uh, over 230 uh, people in more than 26 countries now registered to host these dinners. Mm-hmm. Um, and the goal... Um, 
what we're really aiming for is we're hoping to fund um, through these dinners and through this banquet, uh, through donations and sponsorships and um, people sharing their own crowdfunding pages and so on, um, to completely fund our purchase of a kilogram of MDMA for uh, our phase three research. Hmm. Okay. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's about eight thousand doses at uh, at um, at um, or around there, um, and uh, it'll it'll be all the MDMA we need for our U.S. Phase three trials. Um, Four hundred thousand dollars may seem like a lot of money mm-hmm. um, for a kilo of MDMA, which uh, at street value is probably a lot less than that. Um, unfortunately, the FDA um, uh, only uh, only looks at data using what's called good manufacturing practices certified MDMA or any other drug. So that is pharmaceutical grade MDMA. So all of the rules and regulations and bureaucratic requirements surrounding the manufacture of this legal pharmaceutical grade MDMA costs a total of $400,000. So that's the cost of doing uh, FDA approved research. um, And we're hoping the global psychedelic dinners can help us reach that goal. Yeah. Very, very interesting, man. I, I really, really appreciate your time, Brad. Thank you so much. Um, so, okay. So last thing here. So maps is doing you, you guys, the 30th anniversary is in April and you're doing your own banquet and dinner celebration where and when is that happening? And I mean, what, what are you guys going to be up to while, what can attendees expect to enjoy while, while there? Well, um, San Francisco Bay area is a great place. Um, Lots of fun things to do in the area if you're not already from here. Um, so April 17th, uh, starting at 5 o'clock, we have a banquet where we'll have a series of speakers. Um, this is a beautiful banquet. It's all taking place at the Scottish Rite Center, which is an old Masonic temple on the shores of Lake Merritt in Oakland in the East San Francisco Bay. Um, so a beautiful old venue with a lot of sort of mysticism and import to it. Um, we feel like that's appropriate for the 30th anniversary of a psychedelic <laughs> research organization. Uh, and so we have a series of speakers. Rick Doblin, our founder and executive director, my boss, will be, uh, will be um, there speaking. We'll have researchers. Michael Mithoffer, one of the researchers I mentioned, will also have two study subjects, uh, participants speaking about their experience. One woman from the Boulder study who experienced sexual assault and recovered from PTSD after being in our study. And um, Another guy um, who's a U.S. Marine veteran served in Iraq and also recovered from PTSD after um, serving in our trial. So, so we'll, um, we'll be having that banquet, series of talks, and then everybody will go upstairs to this amazing, uh, this amazing hall, this amazing celebration hall, where we'll have another address. Um, it opens up for general admission at that point. Um, the banquet and celebration uh, are two different sets of tickets. If you go to the banquet, you can definitely come to the celebration. Um, then up there, we'll have um, a series of musical and multimedia presentations. DJ Spooky, um, also known as Paul Miller, will be doing a, a fantastic musical act mm-hmm. um, with a, a multimedia component to it. He usually does planetarium projections. Um, we'll also have Android Jones and Phaedroid. Android has done some amazing projections on the Empire State Building, on the Vatican, on the Sydney Opera House. He'll be doing some of his live projections there. Uh, and then we'll uh, conclude with a uh, live performance special performance from Ken Jordan, um, one of the two founding members of the Crystal Method, who will be playing for 45 minutes, um, a down-tempo electronic music set to round out the evening. Wow. That sounds like quite the lineup, man. And wish I could attend. Really, really amazing. Um, Brad, thank you so much again for your time. We're going to bring you back in another 
I don't know, a year and a half or so and see where you guys are at just because it seems like we're, it's moving light speed. I mean, uh, I mean, it, it was almost, uh, I mean, it, we, it felt like it would take a lot longer to move through phase, phase two trials in my yeah. opinion, last time we yeah. talked. Yeah, it's all it's all concluding really quickly. And by then, we'll be partway into our phase three trials in 2017 and um, moving um, full speed ahead towards prescription access. All right, man. Where can uh, people get to the MAPS website? MAPS.org. Um, also, if you want to learn more about the psychedelic dinners, that's psychedelicdinners.org. Brad, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your presence, man. Uh, thank you so much, Xavier. It's been great, as always. This is The Human Experience. We will see you guys next week.